Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. This is going to be a really interesting and rather deep episode of Is This Real Life? My guest, Dan Udi, is absolutely fantastic, and we have a really interesting conversation about kind of what we think might be going on in the psyche and in the minds of many of the housewives. Uh, But before we get to this week's guest, I want to talk just for a few minutes about what's been going on with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City this week. So on Wednesday, uh, it was uncovered that Jenny had multiple Facebook posts that were very racist and inflammatory. They were about BLM joking about hitting protesters with her car, Uh, These were like sort of like memes that she was posting on her Facebook feed, along with recipes and pictures of her daughter. It was very bizarre. Anyway, they were extremely offensive. And obviously, you know, other members of the cast and, you know, the Bravo viewing community has been, you know, up in arms and very upset. And as a white Bravo viewer, I'm not sure I'm the best person to speak on this. So really encourage you to listen to what black Bravo content creators have to say on this topic, Um, especially Taria from What Else Is Going On, Mixing with Mani, um, Bravo While Black. There's so many to choose from. Um, I will share some of my thoughts just because this is my podcast and invite you all to let me know what you think. But I guess my first inclination is that when I'm on social media and I see people's reaction to what Jenny has posted, a lot of it is, you know, anger, um, obviously, right? And calling for her to be fired and Bravo needs to speak out immediately and, you know, a lot of demands. And I have, if you guys haven't listened to me on Taria's podcast, What Else Is Going On from a few weeks ago, I talked about how I've been working really hard to be less reactive on social media in all situations, and especially in situations in which I feel enraged. And this is, for me, like a good example of, I saw these posts, I was angry, I was mad. I was mad that Bravo allowed someone with this social media background from 2020 to be on a show in 2021, you know, after they've already gone through this with two of the guys who were on Vanderpump rules. I mean, I was just angry. But in general, I would rather Bravo as a network have a more thoughtful reaction and response to this situation than to have a quick one. And the reason I say that is because I think they reacted very quickly with when things were happening in the summer of 2020 you know, with Stasi and Kristen in the faith situation, and they fired four people from the show. And 
I think that would have been fine if that was the standard that they were going to set moving forward. But that wasn't because we saw Ramona behave poorly and have, you know, HR situations that involved racism. And she's still on the Real Housewives of New York and got to go on Ultimate Girls Trip. So seeing the standard not applied equally felt to me, it's like, Maybe in this situation, they just need to take their time to think through not only how are they going to address Jenny, but how do they want to address these types of things moving forward, and how can they prevent them from happening in the first place, at least with social media, they can do a screening, right? So that's sort of um, my sort of initial like thinking on it is to be a little, just a tad less reactive. But I completely understand those who are calling for her firing and who want to hear from Bravo immediately that obviously, you know, I want to hear from them too. The other thing that I've noticed this week is that the women that are on the cast with Jenny all seem to be very upset and bothered by what she has done. And to me, that feels like a departure from things that we've seen in the past. For example, when Kelly on the OC, not on the show, but you know, behind the scenes was posting certain things on Twitter and Instagram, no one from her cast spoke up. And when it was discussed on the reunion, Shannon Bedore said she was uncomfortable discussing politics. So now we've got a situation where the women on the cast want to hold Jenny accountable. And to me, like, I feel like that is a potentially small step forward. And as I was saying earlier, like, I'm trying to not only be less reactive, but to be more intentional about what I create and what I say and what I put out into the world, whether that's on this podcast or whether that's on social media. And so for me, like, saying things from anger, I'm worried will add to more negativity rather than justice, if that makes any sense. And I want to be very clear about what was problematic about what Jenny posted, which was that these memes and these posts were racist. And that was the problem. And I know that there are other people that love to call out any housewife or person on Bravo who voted for Donald Trump or sympathizes with, you know, the Republican Party or whatever it is, you know, is like anti-maskers, whatever. And for me, I feel like it's very important to draw the distinction between racism and other things because I don't want to get to this situation or a point where we're just as a community of people who care about Black Lives Matter are starting to then, you know, oh, so-and-so is trash and shouldn't be on the show because they voted their MAGA and so-and-so should, you know, that kind of a thing. I feel like we really do need to draw a distinction and need to be very clear because I think it dilutes the argument against Jenny and why it's so hurtful when we talk about things other than her racist posts. Who she voted for doesn't matter. It's that she posted these things. And if someone who voted a different way also posted those things, like it would be equally as offensive. 
So I don't know if I'm making any sense. I just, I'm sad. It's hurtful. I think, you know, I myself as being Jewish, I'm a member of a minority group that, you know, receives, has a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of negativity around it. And I, it makes me sad to see someone who's also a member of like an ethnic minority being racist. It, it just, it hurts my heart. It hurts my soul. But, um, you know, I want to lead with love and I hope that you guys enjoy this week's podcast. I'm trying to put something positive out into the universe. And I really encourage you to listen to black content creators um, for more on this subject because, yeah, well, okay, a few more thoughts unrelated to Jenny and Salt Lake City that I wanted to share that I realized I didn't get to to share in my chat with um, Dan. So going to the OC. So I really love Heather's travel style. And what I mean by that is I love that she's so coordinated and has everything planned, but doesn't force you to everyone to do the same activity at once and doesn't have everything planned from like morning until night. And for me, that's the ideal vacation where like during the day, people can go off and do their own thing and then everything is planned in the evening. I also, I know this, like she sounded so bougie when she was talking about getting a house in Cabo and it being for her kids, but it really warmed my heart when she talked about how she wants a place for her kids to be able to gather and how she had a dream that she was no longer alive, but her kids were there and one turned to the other and said, oh, mom would have loved that. It's just, you know, she says she has concerns because she had her children later in life and she's not sure how much time she has left. And that's true. I think a lot of parents probably think about this. Myself, I don't have kids, but if I do have children, I'll be an older mom. And that is something that I would worry about. And so while <laughs> I don't think I'd have the means to build my future potential children a house in Cabo so they always have a place to get together, I did, I don't know, I felt like it was like one of the first times I really connected to Heather in a weird way. Um, going on to Summer House, guys, if you're not watching Summer House, I, I encourage you to. It is such a light. It's so fun for me, at least. I find it so enjoyable. And even when they approach really heavy topics, I don't know, it feels like they're approaching them with love because these people love one another. And that is just palpable. Lindsay is so brave for sharing her story about how she got pregnant unintentionally, you know, w didn't even know if she could get pregnant, you know, was contemplating about like having a baby and then the next day started to have a miscarriage and had to go to the hospital. And, you know, and that's so much for one person to go through physically, emotionally, and so complicated because the guy, Jason, um, that she was pregnant with, they were no longer together when she found out she was pregnant. And then just as she was wrapping her head around the fact that she actually was going to have a baby, it all was taken from her. And so for her to be able to share that so like raw and honest and only weeks after it happened on camera, I just, I find her incredibly brave. 
And it was really beautiful watching her and Carl have that conversation. And you can see how much he cares for her. And knowing that they're together today, it just, I don't know, I got the warm and fuzzies. And I just send my love to Lindsay. That is such a a heartbreaking thing to go through. And it's such a difficult thing to go through physically. I know everyone talks about the emotional, but physically is so difficult. And I'm sure that she's still dealing with the after effects of of all of that. It was also really tough to watch the fighting between Kyle and Amanda. We all know that they get married at the end of the season and that they're married today. But wow, it's I, it also just felt very real to me because it's not the case with a lot of my friends now. But you know, a lot of my friends, especially in their 20s, there would be one partner that would drink too much and would be too social and would want to stay out partying when the other partner wanted to go home. And, you know, there's always the fine line between like, oh, I'll stay out a little bit longer and, oh, I don't remember anything that happened. And and where, you know, is that healthy? Is that unhealthy? You know, what does that mean for our partnership? And so I think a lot of us have seen this same dynamic play out. It's just heightened with Kyle and Amanda. And my heart breaks for them. Um, and I worry that Kyle doesn't really see the, the error of his ways and the fact that he, it's like, can he not control himself? Or is he choosing like he he can but he's choosing not to to try and prove something I I don't know it's it's very um, odd to me and then Vanderpump Rules the finale was this week I thought it was a great finale I really enjoyed it it definitely made me realize that for the cast members that have been on the show since the beginning, that there is like basically no boundary between between like their real lives and the TV show. And I, I know that's the way it's supposed to be, but, but hear me out. They, uh, Brock and Sheena in particular, were so focused on getting engaged and potentially even getting married on camera this season in particular more than they were about actually just getting engaged and getting married. It was like, oh, we have a timeline. Filming ends on this day. So we have to make sure that this happens because, I don't know, are they worried that maybe they won't get picked up for another season? Uh, Were they told that they had to do this on camera? I mean, the whole thing was so odd to me. And the fact that neither Sheena nor Brock really seemed to understand that like this was <laughs> James and Raquel's real engagement party. It wasn't just for a TV thing. They had family there. This is like their way of celebrating their engagement to even think about getting engaged or married then. And then to announce it that weekend is just, I don't know how they can't see that it's rude and it's centering themselves when it it's not even about them. And like, could for a moment it not be about them? Because Raquel never makes anything about her, ever. She's been on the show for years. And she's always kind of in the background. And nothing is really made about her. Even her engagement wasn't only about her. I feel like it was more about James and Dom Zandoval for putting it on than it was about her. So I don't know. I it made me kind of sad and and wonder i don't know like like what is wrong with them 
<laughs> by them, I mean Sheena and Brock. Like, could they really not understand? I know that this is a fight about filming and what's on camera and all that, but at the end of the day, they're real friends. And if the show isn't picked up, I guarantee you that Raquel and James will still be in Sheena's life in some way. And why do you want to have done this to them? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. All right, guys, I have such a good podcast for you guys today. Dan Udi is so fantastic. I can't wait for you guys to get to know him. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating and write a kind review. If you have any constructive criticism or feedback, you can always find me in my DMs at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and on Instagram. I love hearing from all of you. We're going to take a quick break and then back with Dan Udi. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here with Dan Udi, who I am so excited to have on the podcast. At least one or two of you reached out to me and was like, you need to get Dan on your podcast. He is so funny. He is so smart. So Dan is a comedian, currently lives in Canada, works in public health, is from the UK, and has a PhD in English with a focus on reality TV. So I'm going to call you Dr. Reality TV. <laughs> is that Thank okay? you. I love it. My, my resume sounds completely insane when you read it out loud. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's my favorite things, comedy, public health, and reality yeah. TV. It means that whatever's happening, whether there's a pandemic or not, people want my opinion on things. So I'm in demand. <laughs> I know. I, one of my friends was telling me that I should be like people's concierge around COVID and let them know like when to do activities and when to dial back. And so she was oh constantly, she's a preschooler and she was constantly calling me at different times. You know, how would I do this? How would I? And I was giving her advice, you know, but I'm like, this is up to you. Like, I'm just telling you what I would do. And yeah. <laughs> it's just I have I have that, but I have that with comedians and comedians as a baseline are all like clinically insane. So I just have like a lot of people sending me nuts questions about like what is or is not safe and like when will live comedy be coming back and when's the lockdown ending and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, right now I'm in Toronto and we are back in another lock a, a sort of lockdown. We're not forced to stay inside our homes, but almost everything is shut until the end of January. So there's not really much we can do. And it's like minus 10 celsius outside yeah so no one really wants to go anywhere either no yeah it's people are people are now like i'm i'm on dating apps and it's like so depressing to be like should we go for a coffee and a walk in the park in snow in minus 10 i cannot believe we are back doing park hangs in 2022 i thought we left this behind but whatever it is what it is i know it's getting better though it is yeah i think it is it also feels it feels a lot less hopeless this time, I think, because at least here anyway, so many people are vaccinated. And also so many of my friends have had Omi recently that I'm like, oh, I now have people I can hang out with who I know won't give me COVID because they've 
just, just had, it. had it. That's what. That's exactly yeah. what I've been doing. I will only hang out indoors if you've recovered within the last 45 days. <laughs> yeah, and there's, unfortunately, because it's everywhere, there's now actually a lot of people. So I'm like, okay, I have like a semi-reclusive social life, but it's not as bad as it was last winter. So like, yeah, it's annoying, but it's fine. And it's temporary. We just put up with it. I spent the last three weeks binging The Real Housewives of Miami. And I am so into it. I just finished season three, and I'm ready to start the new season. And I'm obsessed. And we were just chatting before we started about how I have done the opposite, where I did not watch one through three, and I am up to speed on season four, and I fucking love it. It's amazing. Uh, If you haven't watched it yet, it's on Peacock in the States. Hey, you outside the States. It is spectacular like it has to get upgraded to proper bravo soon it is i think one of the best ones that's on right now so here's what i said i think last week on the podcast i want them to upgrade miami to bravo and i want them to downgrade vanderpump rules to peacock and i want them to break the vanderpump rules fourth wall thing where they can all fight about the show and have that be the show Mm -hmm. because that's the only thing i am interested in in. I and mean, that's also the yeah. only thing they actually fight about. Like they exactly. had said in interviews, just that they started fighting when they hired the new talent. Like last year, they were they weren't fighting about boys. They were fighting because these people were coming and taking their job because they get paid per episode. Oh. So Sheena said on the record that like there was a scene in the last season where they all went to like Lisa Vanderpump's house. It was a, a really staged one where they went to like paint signs the pride or something it was oh, bizarre yeah, stage with um, lisa vanderpump <laughs> kelsa <Preeze. laughs> um they were i think they were having a fight that was supposedly like two of them fighting over like a guy that sheena was supposedly into and a newer um cast member was also dating but she then said she was like we weren't fighting about that guy we were fighting because these people were coming onto our turf and taking up our like screen time and storylines and basically taking out money. But they couldn't say what it was about. That's what I want to hear, though. That's exactly mm. what I want to hear. I know. The, the fourth wall breaks are my favorite things, and that is why um, Ultimate Girls Trip was so great, because it did it like so thoroughly. That was incredible. And it seems like on Peacock, they're willing to let it happen, because there's mm-hmm. maybe a smaller audience, maybe it's the most intense and obsessed bravo audience you know and so give us that like i i don't really care to see vanderpump rules on bravo anymore but i am invested in these people's stories i do want to know how things work out with james and raquel going their separate ways i want to hear that brock was only interested in proposing in that certain timeline because he wanted it to happen on camera like that's what i would have loved to see in the the confessionals or whatever they are, where he was just like, look, we've only got this many more days left of filming. We're spending four of them on, you know, James and Raquel. Can't you give me like two hours on one of those four days so I can move my storyline forward? Like, that's what I want to see. Not the argument about, is it appropriate to get married at your friend's engagement party? No, we all know that that's inappropriate. And I don't think that Brock, even as dumb as he fucking seems to be, would push something like that if there wasn't a deadline on filming. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. I feel like these things do increasingly do become the like reunion conversations. Like they let them talk a bit more about like 
that this thing that happened off camera or like what you said to a producer and xyz yeah reunions i i feel like they have let them get increasingly fourth wall break e um and also it's something that i've noticed like that was actually part of the academic research that i was doing where the housewives was i think one of the first shows to consistently and progressively peel back the fourth wall in the process of becoming celebrity Ah, and you had this franchise do you think beverly hills i think was the first one where they cast people that were like already on the cusp on the fringes of like being famous um and it had was the first one that had these storylines about like selling stories to gossip magazines so that forced them to break the the fourth wall of of them being famous because some of them already kind of were so like they sort of edge into it that way. And then through the years, you see it when you watch the reunion episodes through the years, they have got, like, they've peeled back more and more layers of the onion, so to speak. So it used to just be, the reunion was, like, the behind the scenes of them, like, talking about fights. And now we have them, like, a full week before the reunion. Or, First, like, it was getting their s- makeup done, complaining to the yeah. makeup artist about what someone just said to them. Yes. And we've got through the years, it's more and more and more of that. So at first it was them arriving and now it's like them in between shots. And now the cameras always keep rolling when they quote go to break. And then with Beverly Hills, we have them like meeting up like days or even weeks before the reunion to talk about how they're feeling to then get ready to tape it. So that like the reunions are such an important part of like what Bravo created this machine that I think really has set the standard for how reality TV can evolve over the years. And they just have to keep pushing it. So the ultimate girls trip was sort of, uh, that was like the the next step they had to take, but they had to do something that was giving us even more insight into how it's made. Cause we all know how reality TV works now. Like no one's under the illusion that these people are organically going on vacation. We know it's staged. <laughs> like, right. Another thing that's interesting is that when the housewives as a franchise first started, there wasn't, um, social media, at least not yeah. the way that there is now. And if you go back to like maybe around 2012 or so was when the women started getting in fights on Twitter. And then that started coming up at reunions. Like you tweeted this, yeah. you retweeted this. And exactly. you know, I was just watching Miami and on season three, Adriana goes up to Joanna Krupa's mother and apologizes for retweeting something nasty about Joanna that made her mom cry. And like mm-hmm. the, that is so funny where we're starting to see like what social media does. They also used to, you know, in their contract have to write a blog a weekly yep. blog about their reaction to watching the show. And that often, I feel like, led to more arguments in the reunion than their behavior on the show itself. Like the famous Teresa one where they were asking her to spell napalm. <laughs> because the point was Teresa clearly did not write these because Teresa is stupid and can't spell. <laughs> and she'd use, I think, the word napalm in like uh, in a blog post. And yeah, it was... Um, Caroline and her daughter, whose name I've forgotten, yelling at her, being like, spell napalm, spell it. Is Ashley um, the name? Ash- no, Ashley's no. Jacqueline's, Jacqueline's daughter. daughter. Yeah. It's, this is getting me, I'll remember it later. But um, yeah, the, the social media part of it is really fascinating. And also it is a thing where um, the 
the parallel part of these shows becomes the viewers who are increasingly um, savvy and able to pick apart what they are seeing. And so then that's where you have the character of like the blogs and people actually engaging with fans and like the whole star ecosystem around reality TV becomes part of the structure of the show. And so now like we have so many fights on Salt Lake, for example, where it's like, you liked tweets about like my son and we've all been sent these stories about Mary from like the blogs. And it just, it's the, the speed at which that gets integrated into the storyline universe is now a lot faster. Like obviously in the first season of a show, you won't have it because they haven't got fans. Second season, it, all the fights become about like fans and Twitter and the blogs and rumors and all that stuff. The speed thing is very interesting because we ourselves have sped up so much as well. It used to be they would film these seasons. We wouldn't know anything that happened. And then it would air and it would be like, oh, my goodness. And people who watched it, you know, who weren't as savvy, sometimes even thought those things just happened, right? Even though it was filmed maybe six, eight months ago. And at the same time, we also expect reactions from the cast and from Bravo so quickly, uh, we just expect so much in such a fast turnaround that I think, mm-hmm. especially, and we'll get into the Jenny thing in a minute, that sometimes it helps to take a deep breath. And sometimes it's better to have a more thoughtful response than to have an immediate response. And, yeah. you know, Jenny this week, <laughs> for those of you who haven't been paying attention, Jenny on Salt Lake City, uh, people went through her Facebook posts from 2020, which was a year and a half ago. And she had some very racist posts, um, mainly around George Floyd, um, alluding to the fact that drugs killed him, not Derek Chauvin, the cop who by now has been fall- found guilty of murder, um, jokes about running over rioters, protesters with her car. I mean, just very uh, uh, jokes about how like, well, if you just listen to the police, you know, you would be fine. And they're very racist. They're very anti-black, right? Mm Anti-black racism. I think it's very important to call that out. And a lot of people, um, black women in particular who watch the show have said, we've been telling you that Jenny treats Mary differently and that she uses a black scent and has a neck roll and things when she talks to Mary that she doesn't do when she argues with the other women. And, you know, I, I, I was talking to a listener, Jasmine, and I said, okay, <laughs> I have a question for you. This may be dumb, but can you explain to me exactly what a black scent is? Cause I don't know that I understand and she, you know, gave me examples and sent videos of times people have done it before, especially in the Bravo space. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I think sometimes people like me who are white don't see what, you know, black women see when they watch the show. Mm-hmm. But I was listening. I was like, okay, something may be a little off with Jenny's response to Mary. But then when this happened, it was like, oh, dear God. Um, wanna get it is a good point because I'd, well, I'd, yeah. not- I'd notice looking back, uh, I'd notice these things and they actually all applied to Mary, but I hadn't really clocked it. But what I'd noticed was the times where she'd come out of left field and I read it as her very clearly trying to get camera time and seem like, seeming like she's going off at nothing. 
And I was like, this reads is very inauthentic. This seems like someone who's kind of nervous about their staying power on the show and trying to kind of create a conflict storyline with people. Um, but that was pretty much uniformly directed at Mary. And it is definitely true that she put on a black scent. Um, I think there were just lots of things that we as viewers of Bravo don't necessarily register automatically if you're white. Um, and it can be small things that are like part of the show or part of like the fan ecosystem. Like for example, um, I read a really interesting article a long while ago that was about um, the language of memes and the fact that black women are always used as caricatures for memes. And how we think about the amounts of times that people will use like a Nini gif or a Nini clip, mm. something that Kenya says, and it's used as kind of uh, a caricatured response to things that sort of reduces black women to stock phrases and doesn't necessarily give them the same degree of humanity that we would afford to white Bravo talent. Um, and that is something that when I first read that, I didn't, I hadn't thought at that point about how often when I see a Bravo or a housewife clip it, or a meme specifically because people aren't really sharing long video clips, but a meme is like often of the black talent. And I was like, this is interesting. It's not the same thing that we yeah. do with white women that appear on Bravo. Like, yes, there totally. are sort of canonically messy white women, but the way that we use kind of reaction shots and, and, quotes from bravo's talent it's that's something that we as white viewers need to need to think about it's like what does that say on a deeper level about how we may view these people subconsciously because i don't think people are consciously being racist if you use a needy gift but there's just this other stuff that often we are we're not aware of if you have blinders on just by virtue of existing in the world as a white person um, yes yeah. that is such a great way of putting it blinders just because we exist as white people in the world. I mean, the only way I can describe it is, you know, I'm Jewish and I have, you know, sensitivities to certain things that I perceive as being anti-Semitic and things that I view as sort of dog whistles for anti-Semitism that don't Mm -hmm. seem, they're not like, wow, the Jews control the media and they, you know, that, that's a pretty obvious one. But certain words that people use, like, you know, when people say, oh, New York values, um, New York urban uh, urban's usually a, a a word when people want to talk about black people right yeah but if you say like elite or globalist that's often referring to jews and a conspiracy theory that jews control um and pull the strings behind much of what is happening with the global economy and politicians and things like that whereas when i point it out sometimes to people they're like oh i didn't clock that and it's like, well, I, I wouldn't expect you to clock it, but I'm just letting you know that that's the vibe I'm getting from this person when they said New York values. They're trying to, like, give a wink. In New, New Jersey, when Jackie arrived, and mm. there were lots of conversations about how we're different. Like, yep. we are old school. She is different. She's not, like, from here. She's and not this, cut the, from the same cloth. We just have, di- we're, like, different values. It's like, oh, the subtext is... She's Jewish. She's Jewish and liberal. Yeah. That was the the subtext. And and I know that I don't think Dolores meant it in a negative way, but it's just came out that way. And yeah. and so I think we all could do a better job of listening to people when they say that they're picking up on stuff. And, you know, with this Jenny stuff, it's just uh it's just very um hurtful and disappointing. Yeah. 
it is, it's just, it's shocking to me that Bravo, especially when they are making hires post the summer of 2020, when they as an organization sort of agreed to look inward and address anti-Black racism, that they just would not do a deep enough background check on somebody. Because going back on someone's Facebook account to 2020 is not very far. Right. Like, Oh, God. I mean, okay, I have a couple thoughts on this. Okay. This is terrible. Do you think that whoever hired her assumed that when you're hiring one minority, that they're just not going to be racist because they are like, oh, this is filling our Asian quota on this show. Like, we're trying to hire an Asian person, and she's an immigrant, and she's a refugee, you know, and then... (laughs) not realizing that people of all kinds of backgrounds can harbor prejudice and racism. I think that's a good point. And it definitely speaks to the fact that Bravo, like many other organizations, has a lot of white people, I think vast majority white people behind the camera. And so if you're making any kind of commitment to change, it's not just hiring new talent on the screen, it's hiring the talent in the organization that goes into creating the show, because that is a blind spot that a white person probably would have. It's like, okay, we could hire another racial minority. Everything will be fine. We don't have to do as much of a deep dive because we assume that this will fix all our problems. And I expect, (laughs) like, obviously I cannot speak for people who have a different racial experience than me, but I'm sure if you had different people on your staff, maybe this thing would have been caught. And that it just wouldn't be a blanket assumption that because someone is an immigrant with a certain background, that they will have nothing that could come out and that it will just be like a magic cure to sort of the demographic issues that you have across your shows. It's yeah. <sighs> it's tough stuff. Um, okay. It's tough. Want to get into not just this week's Salt Lake City, because there uh, is another big story that dropped from Salt Lake. Are you familiar with Up and Adam on YouTube? Okay. Uh, I've been sent the clips of this, but yes. I, when I was sent it, I'd heard that the full thing hadn't released yet. Has it come out? It has come out. I didn't watch the full thing. I just watched clips, but the kind of big overarching takeaway is that Mary Cosby's parents say that Mama, the the founder of the church, never wanted Mary to uh, Mary Robert Sr., that that was like never written down anywhere. That's something Mary had actually corroborated, that it wasn't in her will. Mm. Um, and that Robert Sr. alienated Mary from her husband and her parents. So she was married at the time. She's married before. Yes. That I wow. knew. And that her husband had to publicly say that he was no longer in love with Mary so that the congregates could bless the future wedding between Mary and Robert Sr. And so basically her parents say that he took her away from them, brought her to his houses in Florida and Indiana, brainwashed her, convinced her that Mama wanted Mary to marry him and take care of him, and gave her, showered her with money and gifts and cars, and basically said Mary's been brainwashed. Well, I will say... (laughs) The entire I'm only laughing because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like completely insane, but I will say that like the entire time she's been on the show, it is very much like this is a person that is mentally not well. Like 
makes amazing television because she, when I say people are like crazy or unhinged or whatever, I'm a person with very severe mental illness. So um, I throw around those terms sometimes, but like it is a person where she does stuff where I'm like, this is crazy. And this is a person that should not be on television. She needs some kind of professional psychological help. Um, at the same time, gives us great stuff because it's so mad. Like the whole story is, is completely wild. Um, and it's funny sometimes, but funny in quite an uncomfortable way, even before this stuff came, came out. out. Yeah. I've and always... so she just seems like someone where I'm like, that would honestly track with this person that seems like she is not all there. And I've like, it... I feel like, and I've said this before, I've had a couple listeners reach out to me today about this being like, you called it or you said, and I'm like, I didn't call anything. But I did say that I felt that Robert Sr. potentially groomed her from a young age. And Mm -hmm. it does feel like she has been under some form of abuse. I don't know if it's like physical, sexual, emotional, you know, verbal, but, Mm -hmm. and, and then the difficult and more nuanced conversation that I don't think I have the ability to have is where, where does someone's abuse and, and the them becoming an abuser start. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's very murky. It's a very complicated nuanced issue, but a lot of people who hurt others and are abusive towards others, which I believe Mary is, at least in what we've seen and how she yells at people, um, her yeah. verbal abuse, like that's not just yelling. That is a, a form of, of, of abuse. She's like admonishing people yes. in public For and trying the to make them of hurting them. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying like other people don't do it. Jen Shaw does it as well. But I'm talking about Mary right now. And it seems like someone like that had been potentially abused and maybe currently being abused themselves. What's interesting thinking about um, Mary and Jen is that Mary, I see when, when she behaves that way towards certain people, I see like exactly how she could behave that way with people that are part of her religion slash cult. Like this is a person that is used to having control Mm -hmm. and is used to making people feel small and essentially like controlling them. And I think she just, she cannot register that. And and I think some instances, the reason why she just leaves situations is that she cannot register people talking back to her because they're being paid to do it, but she cannot like deal with, she'll try and like make someone feel like shit. And then obviously they'll be like, okay, I'm on a reality show. I'll start yelling at you. And she's just not used to anyone doing that. She's like, I'm not doing this. Except for Robert senior. And I bet when he does that, she shuts down. Yep. And I mean, if you listen to any true crime podcast, like almost every serial killer that does horrible fucked up things, like this person also had a horrific childhood, like horrible stuff happened to them. And so I think people can, be a victim and a victimizer at the same time. I think that's probably what happened here. Um, it's the same with Jen where, so I, I, I have publicly on my Instagram account, I was diagnosed a while ago with borderline personality disorder. Um, and there are different kinds of it. And I happen to have one where it's not immediately legible because I just withdraw completely instead of lashing out at people. Mm-hmm. But basically my inner monologue is like having a Jen Shah in my head. 
And the way that I see her get triggered and go from naught to 100 with people where she lashes out, but because she feels like they are attacking her, it is a textbook case of a clearly untreated trauma-informed personality disorder. Like I'm not a psychologist, but I'm like, she mm-hmm. ticks all these boxes and the way she blows up is, and you notice it that she's always says that she, it's because everyone is attacking her and people aren't supporting her and people are coming yes. at her. And often it's, it's completely unreasonable and doesn't follow like logic. logic. And also she doesn't understand that by doing that, she pushes people away who then abandon her because she actually blew up at them. It's the same with Leanne Locken. I would see do the same stuff where she, where she would alienate people by accusing them of alienating her. They both do that kind of thing, which is a classic trauma response. And I'm like, okay, Jen Shah has been through something. Something, something, yeah. Something so traumatic that it has shaped like this completely, like, yeah, the response of a very, very unwell person. Um, but I... And I and I don't doubt that she did the very criminal things that she's been accused of. At all. <laughs> I mean, I I famously have been saying that like the Southern District of New York doesn't play around and they don't usually get things wrong because it's not just one person who's investigating. You have hundreds of people investigating over years mm-hmm. with the entire enormity of the resources of the federal government on your side, <laughs> and you've got multiple people pleading guilty and saying she was involved so the chance that she's not involved and yes innocent until proven guilty talk to me again at the end of march yeah it is it is very clear she did it um it's just interesting that her she seems almost like a um what's a good analogy kind of like when when you corner it like a terrified dog Mm-hmm. You know, when like when like you pick you like rescue like a traumatized puppy and it like lashes out at people because it's just like backed into a it's corner scared. and it freaks out. Yeah, it bites it's you scared. when you're trying to feed it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Mary, like she seems like someone that is just completely checked out. Yeah. And like I it's clearly fucked up stuff has happened in both cases, but it almost seems like seems like Jen is is permanently in like fight or flight mode. And then Mary left the building decades ago. Like she is just, whether she's medicated or it's just associating, she's. Right. I think she's like disassociating and like the things that she uses to feel love are objects and clothes yeah. and, you know. That is her- dark. Like <sighs> yeah. when, she's, so- when she says that <laughs> stuff, I'm like, it's so sad, but it's, it's I, I, that's why I find these shows actually fascinating because and that's why I love reality TV because honestly, I as a mentally ill person have learned more about myself from watching other people behave badly. And I've learned what not to do. And like, I've learned the things about how you alienate other people when you feel, when you act as if they're rejecting you. Like I've learned that stuff through watching these people. So I find it fascinating. And it's like, it's a, it's a mirror to like the worst parts of my brain but I then actually find that really useful because I'm, I I feel like I'm then able to see it from an outsider's perspective. That's so interesting. And thank you for feeling comfortable sharing your like diagnosis and stuff. We're all about on this podcast, sharing personal things about (laughs) everyone knows about my uh, infertility and um, eggs being a mess. So 
you know, we we share things here, and I I appreciate that. Um, want to get your thoughts on the fight in the sprinter van as we're talking about Jen Shaw? She's cornering mm-hmm. Lisa. Lisa is physically like getting into a ball, and then finally says like, "Snaps." I'm I'm shutting down. She actually says that, and then she tries to move past Jen to physically get away, and then things and get can't. physical. Yeah. Um. So it's it's wild um yeah i i i was honestly very surprised at the fact that that resolved so quickly um but i feel like i feel like they know they've been around jen enough to know that these types of completely unwarranted often physically violent like explosions will like dissipate very quickly and that she will just like, like, I can't even remember where that came from, but I feel like she was, she suddenly felt like people weren't having her back. And so she just exploded. And Lisa, like, I thought Lisa was dealing with it really well for like quite a while. Um, sorry, did my audio cut out? Cause my battery no, flashed I can up. hear you. Okay, good. I have 10% left, but I think it'll be good for a while. Um, let me find the sentence again. I feel like Lisa's responses to Jen through the course of that fight was, was a really, I think almost textbook example of how to respond to someone that is behaving irrationally, but just like, well, you know, it will pass. It's, she kind of stayed on message and was just not responding up until the point where it got physical. And it was like, you have to do something to physically protect yourself. But she did, I think do a very good job for a while of like trying to diffuse it and just like, Jen was started exploding at her. She just kept talking and she was like, this is, she kept with the same message. I, I, it was, I thought it was really interesting. And it's, it was also really hard to watch Jen. It was like a very physical thing. Like not just, she was not just physically intimidating Lisa, but after this like explosion and this, you know, of her anger, she then recoils back into like a small, you know, yeah. person who is shaking and crying and terrified and it's like oh my god like oh it that was tough and and, and this is and it is seems manipulative too because she was the one that lashed out and that hurt lisa you know or threatened to hurt her and then mm-hmm. she's the one that is basically requiring lisa comfort her after she's yeah. the one that had the outburst I know I keep circling back to it, but it's only because Jen is like the most extreme illustration of like <laughs> everything my therapist has said for years on television. So the text, literally the textbook, like the the, the canonical 80s psychology book or written like about the DSM-5 is what we use. Well, in- yeah, it's, it's like written by two psychologists. It's actually like quite old fashioned and not great to read, but it's called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. Oh. And that is about like the push pull of like pushing people away and then being like, no like I'm fragile and broken I need help and then when they come and help you it was like no get away from me and like her oscillating between those two extremes is like I don't think she's putting that on I think she genuinely is terrified and I think she also is guilty of of the charges like I think you can have both where she can be like I'm not going to see my kids grow up blah blah blah. and it's like yes you did that and you also tried to scam a bunch of old people and like she she just moves between these extremes so fast. I understand why someone like Meredith doesn't want to be around it. But then at the same time, I'm like, 
you have not reached a point with this show where you are a level of celebrity where you can refuse to show up to filming. Right. I 100% agree. 100% with everything you're saying. Oh, man. And Lisa says, you know, I just feel like Jen needs to feel heard and loved. So I'm going to make her feel heard and loved. What I want to know from you is, it seems to me that Jen truly believes that she's innocent. Even though I think part of her knows that she committed crimes and did things that Mm -hmm. were illegal, because if she didn't, then why did she use encrypted messaging to communicate with Stuart? (laughs) Right? Like, why didn't she just text Stuart rather than use an encryption service? So part of her had to have known what she was doing was wrong, but then she creates this victim narrative for herself. Mm -hmm. She's always the victim, and which is like a narcissistic personality trait. And then... I think she's so convincing that she has convinced Heather, Whitney, Jenny, all these women around her that (laughs) this was all a mistake and someone's after her and that someone must be Mary or Meredith. See, I disagree. I I don't think so. I, I agree with the first part where she seems to have convinced herself mm-hmm. because I also don't think she's good enough of an actor to really be like playing that so well. Like, I think yeah. she kind of because she's because when she is when these housewives are like trying and failing to convince us of something, it's very obvious. Like, Lisa is famously terrible at like trying to stage stuff on television on camera because you can just tell it's happening. Um, I feel like Jen believes herself that like she is a victim in this and is somehow innocent i think that the other women are actually like perceptive and intelligent enough to know that she's clearly guilty and to know that if a federal investigation is happening they have evidence but also that it's just not worth engaging anything that says otherwise in conversations with jen because they know how explosive and reactive and violent she can be. It's like, it's not even worth entertaining the possibility that you might go to jail. In I get that. With her. So I agree with you on that. I just think I've seen a couple instances where Jen is not around and where like Jenny was asked on watch what happens live. Like, do you think she's innocent? Uh, I think, or, or not guilty. And she said, not guilty. And it's like, I mean, maybe she doesn't want the wrath of Jen, but I I also think Jen is so charismatic that she makes mm -hmm. people question facts. Like she she actually is the definition of gaslighting, where you like see that she's done something, but she makes you question that you even saw that it happened. Like she makes you question your own reality because she is so convincing and charismatic. Mm-hmm. You have to be charismatic to carry out a massive fraud ring like that. No, it's true. She is very charismatic. I just, I really, I think actually like part of the reason that people connect a lot with Salt Lake is that they have multiple extremes of characters where they have these like completely like off the wall, like unbelievable people. And then they have, I think more than one like straight man character I think we have like Whitney and Heather are both basically sort of kind of vessels for the viewer in terms of being reasonable and rational. And I think like they are intelligent women and especially like if it gets to this point now, knowing what we know, like they read the same stuff that that we as, 
as fans of Bravo read, mm-hmm. they would have seen all the stuff about like what the federal government has on Jen and the fact that all her co-conspirators have pled guilty. And I think they are not, I don't think they are actually stupid. I think that they probably know that like, it's very clear that she is involved and she will be going away. But until she has, if they say anything to the contrary in public, they have to keep working with her. And it's just like not worth like poking the bear because she has convinced me. I think also just because of the previous like (laughs) harassment campaign that she clearly ran against like Meredith's family and, and Heather was involved. I think in that she got these texts too. And it's like this, this woman, you know, you just have a friend that is like so reactive and like, it's just not worth Word. saying or doing anything that will like set them off. I, so just I know what's did have happen. a friend like that at one point. And I think I, I, you know, walked on eggshells for all these years. And then at one point they just finally blew up at me. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't react well to that. I'm not going to yell back. I'm not going to entertain it. You know, I, I mean, I and feel I'm like not going to grovel. Women- anymore Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think i i understand a little bit it's not healthy relationships to be in and i actually don't think any of these women would be still friends with her if it wasn't for the fact that they were contractually obligated even to hang out with her um even someone like heather it seems like she only sort of like rebuilt that bridge because they were like we filmed we're filming a new season we have to go back to zero because Jen has to have some sort of working relationship with these people. And like, I don't think any of them would be, any of them would hang out with her if it wasn't for the show, because like your experience with your friend, it's, there's only so many times you can put up with that. And we've seen those on camera and we know that worse supposedly happens off camera. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Ugh. Okay, I only have a couple more questions for you about Salt Lake because I de- we definitely have to get into OC and I'm really and interested House. in your thoughts of Summer House. So um, tell me if I'm crazy. Okay, okay, crazy may not be the best word. Tell me if you feel this as well. So when they walk the labyrinth with Bettina in yes. Zion... And this is Whitney's whole thing. Like, she organized it. She's very spiritual. It made me slightly uncomfortable that the women were participating in an indigenous ceremony that they set up. It reminded me very much of The Bachelor, if you ever watch the American version, whenever they're in Mexico or Colombia or wherever they travel to, Peru, they often do these indigenous ceremonies Mm -hmm. that are... um, I don't know. They make them seem like more like exotic and exotic and mystical and magical. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. And then they, it just made me uncomfortable. No, I I definitely felt that. I the moment the woman said like these shawls signify indigenous women, I'm like, what? Like exactly. But also, I didn't know. Like, I didn't bother to to Google this woman that was performing this ceremony. And I think if someone is indigenous and is like, you know what, I'm going to run these ceremonies for these rich white women and just like make some money off them. I think it is that person's prerogative. They want to do it. If that is the case, Fine. go ahead. If, if not, like I did feel that that was a bit bizarre. Um, it seems like a also- nice ceremony. Like I would have wanted to partake in it, you know, along, yeah. but it's just, um, 
something about it made and maybe it's because like there's certain aspects of Judaism that people have sort of bastardized like uh, yes. Madonna has kind of like ruined Kabbalah, you know, and, and mm. got the Kabbalah center in LA. And it's like, no, this is a form of Jewish mysticism. There are, you don't just get to do it just because you think it's mm. cool, you know? Uh, so it kind of reminds me of that when people do things like yeah. that. And so I'm a little bit sensitive, but thought that was interesting. And then finally, okay. Also, sorry, Jenny's shoes, when they were doing that, they went to the desert and she was wearing like gold six inch heels. <laughs> That seems to me very Miami. After having watched Miami, those women are constantly in a very high pump. And so no matter what situation they're in. So that that was pretty funny. Um, So this dinner and the big argument about the PI and investigating and Jen Shaw turning on Jenny and then Vagina Gate coming up again. Mm. (laughs) And then this whole like who's calling who a fraud and then the accusation that Meredith has 10 boyfriends like what did you make not just of this argument but about like what did you think they were actually fighting about well you heard the rumor have you heard the rumor that the person they both slept with was Harry Dubin I don't think it was Harry Dubin I think no, it was a man not in, true. That's a, in New that's, York yeah yeah, yeah, Part yeah. Of me was like, oh, I really, I really <laughs> wish this is true. The ultimate crossover episode. Like, imagine if we got New York women like coming on Salt Lake to like all talk shit about Harry Dubin together. <laughs> would have been oh, chef's kiss. It's just like, um, he, oh, just bleh. he makes they me do, so grossed out. And I think this is like a product of um, Meredith being a lawyer, and also I think her thinking that she's better at this show than she is or or that she's too good for it and she's sort of doing us a favor by, by being on it is that she is so um cryptic and careful and constantly like dropping hints of things she's like i have something to tell you but i'm not gonna say it <laughs> everyone is such a good meredith voice but me <laughs> it's, it's there's um, I saw, oh God, I can't remember her name. Um, the woman, the comedian who has a Amy housewife's Phillips. cookbook. Yes, where she yeah. went on Bravo and was like, it's also like the head just bobs around. I was like, sad. It's the head bobs. <laughs> can't do that And once that you one. notice that the head bobs, you Shut cannot up. unsee the fact that it just bobs everywhere. <laughs> I can't. I try. I was like, well, Brooke, sh-. I just sound like crazy. Like it just doesn't. You sound like Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, what what did you think they're actually fighting about? Um, what do you think is going to come out? I I don't know, honestly. It clearly is, like, something, like, you know, when you can see them, like, see them because there's something that they don't want to say. In the way, same way that I think the, the famous Kim and Lisa Amsterdam fight, I think there was something to it. Mm. Like, the husband comment had something to it. It wasn't just out of nowhere. Um and also the ways that people sort of like occasionally allude to Lisa Rinna's very obvious eating disorder, but without actually talking about it, but it's clearly like a, a trigger topic. I feel like they're doing a similar thing where they are da- they're dancing around something. I don't think it's criminal um, because I think the FBI, the people that are in charge of that, I don't think Meredith knows more than like what federal prosecutors New York federal investigators. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. It's probably just that she was having an affair. I think it's like... I think it was I that would not Jen be was having an affair because we all know Meredith yes, that's, was. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And Meredith one also wasn't even really an affair. Her and her husband, I think, actually it came out that they'd 
separated. Started to file divorce papers or something. Yeah, like in 2016. They, they were actually separated for periods of time. So yeah, so they, they clearly she, were she seeing didn't other people. Want to acknowledge that on camera? Yes, I think because she's very. Um, she talks a lot about like people coming after her family and damaging her family. When I actually think the Brooks thing isn't necessarily like targeting the whole family. It's like the son is an adult and went on reality TV. But I think she is but basically. But her other son Reed also was getting threatening messages, and he has okay. never been on the show. And I only heard that I when I watched it last week's episode for the third time. <laughs> Heather mentioned Interesting. that Reed also was getting the messages. Okay, that's something else to it. I feel like it the the same point kind of still applies that Meredith, I think, is very um from a good place, uh, concerned with how the show will affect their family. And so I think just out of respect for the kids, given that the parents have got back together, she's like, We're not gonna talk about the people I may have slept with aside from your dad. <laughs> while we were separated yeah and that's, that's that. clear she's just she's like this is a thing i do not this want on camera line. which uh, okay. you on reality tv it's going to come out let's pop over to oc rather than actually go over what they what happened this episode i've got to ask you i've just got like a bunch of questions about the women i'm on two percent i can plug back into charge for like five more minutes and then we can do oc do you want to do that so sorry about this. This is me not thinking ahead enough or just forgetting that iPhones only have one fucking we can it's it's charging, so we can just do like five minutes of charge and that should be good to wrap up and do a scene. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording. And we are back after a very quick uh, battery re-up. And I just found out that Dan has a cat named Sheena Shea. <laughs> yes, I do. The unsung hero of Vanderpump Rules. No, she is the unsung hero of Vanderpump Rules. She really is. Like, the producers put her through it every year. Um, and she is, like, the backbone of that show and the reason we have a show, to be honest. Um, does she make terrible decisions? Absolutely. Do I still have a soft spot for her? Yes. Do I think Brock is only in it for the green card? Also, yes. Um, I have lots of... Th- Honestly, actually, though, I think I think Vanderpump has reached the end. And I know you think it should go to Peacock. I think we should just... Herein lies Vanderpump rules. <laughs> 2012 to 2022. <laughs> a full decade. It's a nice even number. 10 years is fine. But I, I think... I think we have reached the end only because I, on your advice, started watching Summer House and it is exactly what Vanderpump Rules used to be. And it is fucking great. Should we talk about that first before I ask you a bunch of questions about the OC? Okay. So Summer House. So you haven't seen it. I think you should go back to season one. I know a lot of people discount the first two seasons, but I do think it is important to see the character development of Kyle and Carl in particular, and Lindsay. It really doesn't help that it's like they are all like six foot three white men and their names sound the same. The couple that's engaged and the start, ex-alcoholic starts the hooking alcoholic. up on season one. Okay. So he, so she's not on the show 
and he's on the show and he's like king of summer the blonde guy kyle Mm -hmm. and he gets all these friends together for the summer house and he talks about how this is something that they've been doing for years and amanda is someone that he hooks up with but they're not really dating and then they start dating and then they eventually get engaged and then they eventually this season after the season get married so but, I'm actually going to get up my notes on this because I just like had I a whole bunch. Just want to hear your notes without me providing background. So okay. Dan, everyone, is someone who has he's a summer house virgin. He has never watched the show. He is unfamiliar with the cast and the characters. Let's hear what you have to say. Dan. Okay, I'm going to go through it. Also, I am terrible with names. I smoke far too much weed. I will not remember anyone's. So here we go. I'll uh, plug um, in the name. So my first, my first note was, quote, I'm going to eat you from front to back. And the other person says, you are the sweetest human. That was in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> uh, my second note is just, do these people have jobs anymore? Because... So far, we have a, quote, fashion contributor, a restaurant consultant, a model, and a personal trainer, which basically means they're all influencers, I assume. Do you want me to answer this question, or do you want to keep going? Uh, yeah, like, my, answer it. My guess is it they probably started with jobs, but they just, they're famous now. Some still have jobs, real jobs. Wow. So Danielle, in particular, who didn't get a lot of screen time this time... She's the okay. the most like stable when she's the one like I'm in love. I have this boyfriend Robert. We met last summer. She is very high up in some finance company, and they let them do this. So she never was like she's just actually friends with them. So she just always ended up on camera, but she never mm-hmm. like set out to be a full time cast member. And I just wonder how like because companies every company now even has like a social media policy and so if you have like a high-flying job surely they would block you from being on a show so then you've got kyle so carl started out having different jobs and then eventually went to work for Loverboy, which kyle started amanda used to be i think a graphic designer and then oh my god stassi is like playing with this toy (laughs) (laughs) sorry is stassi a he she. Okay, I think so. She's that would have been even better if it was like a boy who just calls like Stassi Schroeder. <laughs> She's. I hope you don't hear. Her. She's like going after this crazy pig toy. Um. So anyway, so Kyle, Carl, and Amanda are all in business together with Loverboy, okay. which is an alcoholic brand, and Amanda manages the merch. For the brand. are they all drinking? Is that the drink that they're all drinking? Yes, they're always drinking because- it. Because I clocked them being like, how many of those have you had? And it's like, oh, we have some product placement going on. But they have built this from the ground up. And now you can get it in Whole Foods. So it's the skinny girl of of Summer House. They are exactly. Kyle is the new Bethany. He, except for he is singularly focused, but he is less of an asshole business-wise. And Carl is sober, but works for this company. Okay. So many of them, I would say like half at this point have real jobs, quote unquote, real jobs that they do during the week. The others, if they're going to get new people to come on the show, it's quite hard to find people whose companies are okay with it 
as yeah. you said. So, for example, um, Paige started out at Betches, where she was like a fashion blogger. And so, her- and they wouldn't mind because that's like great press. Exactly. And so okay. then you'll get like models and stuff like that. The interesting part was last season, they were all quarantined in the house and couldn't leave. And so you oh actually God. got to see them working. And that was fascinating. That's like Big Brother, basically. It was intense because you could see tension between people who had maybe more laissez-faire type jobs and ones that actually had like meetings and had to take pee breaks in between a six block hour of zoom calls and were on excel and you know all of that stuff so that was just very interesting to watch so the reason Uh. i like this show is because the show isn't the only thing about these people they actually do other stuff and that is what has like made them, I feel like, more well-rounded. I was going to say, it makes them more rounded people because they have they have a life outside of the show that they also kind of have to acknowledge by virtue of the show's structure. Because it's like, we do this every weekend, so the story is us like leaving our jobs behind from our like Monday to Friday. And so like they kind of have to acknowledge this outer world because it's like you're not following them for their entire lives. So I think... I think the structure from a sort of like academic nerdy point of view, the structure lends itself really well to having this sort of like uh, verisimilitude, the like real lifeness of it 100%. because it's just weekends. Okay. And Let's- so they, they acknowledge that like people have a life outside of this. Let's get back to your, your thoughts. Okay, back to my notes. I'll try All not right. to answer too many more because I take too much time. Okay. Um, so Italian guy says, quote, I'm on a visa where I can't leave the country. Now, as someone who has spent time in the States on visas, <laughs> my takeaway is that he's working illegally or has overstayed one. Because I have had visas from the States before, and if you have one that is valid, you can leave and return. So fuck knows what is going on here. I don't think this is some like, immigration situation, but it's kind There's of like when Ivanka said she had to leave every three weird. months. There, okay, so there illegal. are people who have to leave every three months. But that's what people do when they're on a tourist visa and they're just like bouncing back no, and forth. No, there are some work visas that you have really? to go. It resets the visa when you leave. So I have a friend oh, wow. who's from India and it's not that she has to go back to India. It's that she has to leave the U.S., including during COVID, <gasps> for her visa to reset for 90 days. So her and her boyfriend so people just go to niagara falls and just they like, go do that. to costa rica they go to mexico they just like have been taking vacations and making vacations out of it rather than but it is stressful wow okay maybe he isn't doing anything illegal but he is saying that like he cannot leave so i'm like that definitely seems sus like i haven't i don't know of a thing <laughs> where you have a visa we're like i'm on this visa where i can't leave I'm like, yeah mm, okay what's going on <laughs> No, our system is such a mess. Yeah. Also, like, no, knowing, like, reality TV producers, I'm pretty sure they'd be like, well, like, if they're not paying this person, which is kind, maybe likely, I don't know what the pay structure is for Summer House, but if they're not paying someone, then they're not breaking the law by, like, having someone that maybe has, like, a sketchy visa situation. Anyway, breezing past that. So the amount of times that they say they are single, I'm like, we get it you're single this is giving me kind of very love island vibes they're turning up and they're like right i am here to fuck people like 
Mm-hmm. This is just going to be a, like a succession of people like matching and unmatching. And like, a, like within an hour of them being inside, they're like, okay, so who is single? Who is not single? Like they sort of clearly know what their mission is, is just to hook up with each other. Um, it didn't used to be like that necessarily. Okay. Or so I it's think, probably a thing that has evolved over the years, I imagine. I think they also just want to know what the rules are because people often bring home strangers that they meet out. Okay. And it's like, oh, who needs their own room, who, you you know, that kind of a thing. That was sort of earlier seasons. Recently, it's when they did Winter House. And since they were all quarantined together in the Winter House and they brought in some new people, it was like, who's single and who's free to, you know, that it was more that vibe. It does. It's interesting. It feels like a mishmash of a bunch of different reality shows, just kind of like, I think it's strange. Uh, you have security camera Big Brother style footage, mm-hmm. which I think is like really fun to have because it's also you get to see them when they're not performing for a producer. Like there are cameras on them, but they haven't got a camera crew. So you just, I think, get better footage of them doing insane drunken things. Um, it does feel kind of, yeah, like the Love Island Bachelor vibe of them turning up and being like, okay, like the girls all grouped together and they're like, who is single? Who is hot? Who's this new person? <laughs> yeah. like Bachelor in Paradise actually, I think, is like the vibe. If it's like they're like, we're here, summer vacation. Also, we're horny. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> they know what they're here to do. Um, Such a good show. My so my, my next note was just thirty phone calls. This is giving Stacy Schroeder um, the moment where what's her name? The one who is engaged to the Amanda. guy that is going to make a shitty yes, Amanda, who's engaged to the guy that's going to make a shitty husband. When she like rings him like thirty times and then smashes her like smashes a phone or something, is exactly what happens. Trees. <laughs> Just and then he steps on the broken glass. But I'm like, oh, Stassi did this on Vanderpump Rules. Like there is like a parallel scene of her calling her boyfriend Bo a bunch of times. He doesn't pick up because obviously he's at a party. And then she just like smashes the phone. Um, oh man! Which which is why I was like, okay, this is great. This is like people in their thirties kind of acting like they're in their early twenties, which is just means they're irresponsible, but with more money to be irresponsible with. Which I kind of just it. I like that. Um, this contract thing about Kyle and his drinking this and paying her parents back to for the wedding. From you about yeah, like so. I have a note here. I'm just saying that like reality TV, I think thrives on couples that should absolutely not be together. And I am so glad we know these two get married because it means we can watch their divorce. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So I actually think this couple is more like a Schwartz and Katie than they are like a couple that you like, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to bet on their divorce, even though this is the worst we've ever seen them. Oh, this, this is like the worst. This is bad. Yeah. I, they were not like this all the time. He does drinks too much because he's a big partier, but he Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have an alcohol. Like, I don't know. I don't want to define alcohol problem, but he, um, their friend, Carl, who's sober, does have did. an alcohol problem and did show up drunk to work and to work events. And that was like a clear no-no for Kyle. So Kyle mm-hmm. does have boundaries between drinking and not drinking. He just is of the mentality of work hard and party hard. And so he will like, is probably one of those people that will just not drink at all during the week. will have like 
water and green juice and eat healthy and like run every day and and then yes that is his style and i think because it's he also lives with amanda and they work together and their business physically the merch and all that stuff is in their home that they live in together so they don't get a lot of breaks and i think covid has made it quite difficult for him this balance that he had which most people wouldn't consider balance, but his yeah. like, you know, a certain way during the week and then binge on the weekends, there wasn't the opportunity to do that. And so now this was like his first time going out to a bar in years. And it was a bar that he had his first really big business deal at. So I think he like I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I think what happened is he just turned on that binge all the way up more than normal because of the COVID aspect. Like he yeah. was boiling. He was a boiling pot that just exploded. I do find it interesting the way that shows like Vanderpump have given us such extremes of dysfunctional behavior that we say um, Tom Schwartz and Katie are like a good kind of relationship. I didn't say when, good. I just uh, say that they stay together. But like, but like the, the, the better, like the better version when like, and, and that I think is completely true. Like in the reality TV universe, they're like, a, they're like, they're like a sweet couple when actually it's like, these are people in their late thirties getting like blackout wasted and like, Tom and Katie have moments where it's clear they deeply resent each other. Right. And um, it's just like, because we don't really have like completely like wonderful, like healthy relationships on TV that much in reality TV because they're just not really fun to watch. <laughs> right. And so like th- this, ch- like this pairing, I just find like fascinating. The, like the cheating thing that clearly happened so it happened once yeah it happened like a couple times. years ago no when he was very drunk and he didn't really remember and so he felt very guilty and which is a to- like a tom and and, and katie thing yes right? he I, felt I, he very cheated when he was like i don't remember it i was yeah drunk. and he felt very guilty and he told her that it happened and yeah. she, so her the thing flashback. is like you can't get to the point where you're so drunk you don't know what you're doing. That's not okay because then maybe you'll cheat on me and not even know you're cheating on me and not even realize. And yeah. he is not great at, he's like notorious, he's got Peter Pan syndrome. And so the fact that he's even was engaged say. and wanting to settle down with her is wild. Like I never thought this for him watching from season one, but we've seen him kind of get a little more domesticated. They seem like they're a very sweet couple that enjoys each other. And in my opinion, the big problem is his inability to control how much he drinks. That, to me, is the issue in the relationship. It's Mm -hmm. not even her reaction to it. It's just the fact that he does it. Because if he wasn't doing it, she wouldn't react in any way. She would be her normal self. The fact that that has to get included in a prenup or whatever type of agreement they have, where it's like, you will pay my parents back for the wedding if your drinking gets in the way. It's like, that is, that has to be at like a level of a serious problem where it's like enough to put this thing in writing that that you could be having to pay for a whole event. 
I don't think I realized how bad his drinking was until this episode because I didn't see ramifications from it. I thought it was something he did for the show. So it was like eight times a year. He gets blacked out on the Saturday night and the rest of the time he's like running this business so well. They have a good relationship. They foster dogs. Like they don't seem Mm -hmm. to be wild and crazy at all. And so they have housewives that have. Sorry, that like we had housewives have said similar things. Like I think Sonia has said before, yes. like in interviews, where it's like we know that like that's what you want out of us. And obviously, we're not going through our lives when we're not when we're off season, getting blackout wasted all the time. But um, this is also something like I, when I was watching OC, I feel like we're jumping around. But I because I, I rarely drink now. Um, not for an exciting reason it just sort of like happened over the years and I basically don't drink because now my tolerance is nothing and I get super bad hangovers um but I was counting how many drinks the women had just on their way to the place they were staying in Mexico and they were like at least four drinks deep by the time they arrived and And they started in the morning Heather and Shannon had taken edibles I missed that. Yeah, no, it wasn't on the show. Heather said it on her podcast and someone posted it on social media about how, you know how she had that um, kind of uh, thing around her arm and it looked like it was a pouch with a zipper. Was it a patch? It wasn't like a patch. It was a pouch like where you could like put like if you were jogging and you needed to like keep a credit card. It was like that. But she had edibles in there and she was saying because the plane was so small and she hadn't flown with them before, she was nervous. And so she took an edible and I think Shannon took an edible (laughs) to like calm them (laughs) from the plane. Wow. (laughs) Which I was impressed that they shared. But then I'm like, are you crossing international customs with drugs? Does does Shannon have a CBD business or is that Tamra? No, that's Tamra. And an edible, Tamara I'm assuming they mean THC. Actual, actual edible, edible. Yeah, because an huh. edible of CBD would not make you calm enough. To- <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I I will say like I, I have used it, and also as part of my day job, I actually had to do some research into the clinical evidence behind it, which behind like CBD. Yeah, is like developing. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason people can't conclusively say it helps for X, Y, Z is just because the types of studies that provide conclusive evidence are like currently ongoing. Mm-hmm. But basically like the lower quality levels of evidence are there. And there's like suggestions that like, yes, it does have positive effects for X, Y, Z. Um, but also like because a lot of it like hasn't been confirmed so much of it is completely overhyped just to make money um but sidetrack anyway yeah. <laughs> and they're not all equal right like some yes. like that's the problem if the fda isn't regulating it you don't know if a certain yeah, exactly. cbd product has the like right amount of cbd or has yeah. the right quality or some another kind has like crappy quality so mm-hmm. oh god i'm back to one percent oh <laughs> Let's just finish this interview on uh, without headphones. So, guys, there may be a little bit of uh, feedback, but sorry, team. We're going to (laughs) we're going to power through. Okay. Okay. So, I'm hoping the the quality of our discussion will compensate for the bad quality of the call. Also, we will try not to talk over each other because that will probably mess it up. Any other 
thoughts or final thoughts okay. on Summer House? Final Summer House thoughts. Um, the Okay, so the scene where one of the women was telling uh, Carl about her pregnancy and miscarriage, I initially thought she was telling him that she was pregnant with his baby <laughs> and was like, what? But even though it turned out to not be the case, I was like, fuck, they are doing this stuff on camera and it's also being edited in a way where like this is doesn't seem like a massive season worthy bombshell it's like they're kind of it feels like they're kind of moving past this or treating it with the same level of gravitas as like other stuff which tells me that like the general caliber of things they get out of the cast are that good you are 100 percent correct they and Lindsay in particular all of these people bleed for the show but the originals you see everything from them. We saw Carl last season find out live on camera that his brother died of an overdose. And it was so heartbreaking. And then I, you see the, you're, oh my God, you have chills. Yeah. The first person he goes to. So he, he walks outside to gather himself and I'm sure take off his camera or whatever, or take off his mic pack. He goes back inside and the first person he talks to is Lindsay who's his best friend. And a couple seasons ago, they tried dating and it like was horrible. It didn't work out. Now in real life, after the entire season filmed, they, they started dating and they are now officially together. Oh, that makes me happy for them. Right? Even though I'm, I'm assuming they've probably like both done terrible things to people like on camera through the course of however many years the show's been running. But... I, I feel I feel like we're catching bit like Carl... And like a sort of redemption arc narrative swing. So last season, he said he wasn't drinking, but he never said he embraced sobriety. So he wouldn't drink or he or he wouldn't get drunk. He would be like, I'll have one of these drinks and he would stick to it. There was one okay. night, though, after. So he left, obviously, to go to the funeral and stuff. And he got it together and he came back and continued filming. And you could see the drinking was like, not as much over the top, but was more than just like not getting drunk. And yeah. after the season ended, it continued. And I think he's had issues with other substances as well. And he said his drinking got so bad that he wanted to end his life. And I think yeah. what he had said publicly was that Kyle, like, I guess he hadn't answered his phone in a while. They they all work together, too. They're also real best friends. While Kyle came and, like, sat outside his apartment and was like, like, forget the show, forget Loverboy. Like, I love you. And I care about you. And he got sober. And he's uh, in recovery and he goes to AA every day and they'll see him go to these meetings. Yeah. And so to see that from where he came and to finally know a bit about his brother and he starts opening up about difficulties that caused his family and how he started mm-hmm. to feel like he was going down the same path a little bit. Um, you get to meet his mom. His parents had an awful divorce, you know, at, while he was an adult kind of a, it just there's a lot there you really get to see why they are the way they are and one thing i feel like i've seen on the show that you don't see on a lot of the housewives and you don't always see on vanderpump rules is actual real growth like sometimes it's a few steps forward one step back but it's usually just one step back it's not like 
mm. all the way back to the beginning. The, that's how I feel actually like a little bit about Vanderpump rules where with, with the two of them that have got sober, I think James Kennedy is actually like now, he, I think he was sober only off alcohol. And I think now is sober off everything. No, no. He said he still smokes weed on watch what happens <laughs> live last week. Even then I feel like Lala's like, full sobriety situation is like and the fact that that actually wasn't precipitated by motherhood because I I feel like that is a very clear like external reason to like stop but the fact that she'd actually stopped before that I think showed showed a substantial degree of like I mean and and she was like annoying and sanctimonious about it sometimes um but i do I, I do feel a little bit warm and fuzzy when i like see them evolve in that way even though it does just that does make vanderpump anyway like a little bit more boring when you have like bunches of them that normally gave you so much like juicy storylines and now not drinking um but that is yeah like i as much as i love watching people be completely chaotic and unhinged i do kind of like when they start to get their shit together I agree. I have to also point out that Lala mentioned on Watch What Happens Live that the philandering and bad behavior by Randall began when she got sober. She has gone back and traced it to that. I think he enjoyed parting with her. And then if you look at the messages he sent people, he kept on asking them if they did coke. It was like a huge piece of the women that he was seeking out and wanting to go out and drink and do cocaine with them. And that was obviously something that he couldn't do at home. Yeah. Can I ask a, so like a summer house question, Vanderpump rules, Coke is always the elephant in the room. They will admit to doing Adderall, but also clearly, especially if you watch early seasons, they are like coked out of their minds the entire time. But it's something that we like. I remember there was the year where there was the argument quote about the pasta, where it's like no one's having an argument about a plate of pasta. It's clearly someone took someone else's coke. Do they do the same thing on Summer House, or do they, do they actually acknowledge drugs? They don't acknowledge drugs, except for on a podcast multiple seasons ago. One of the women who's no longer there mentioned that Carl used to always get bloody noses from snorting Adderall. And it was like they did it so that they could stay out and drink because a huge part of the filming, it's like it's only on weekends. And so they basically don't sleep all weekend and they party, 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 and they drink, drink, drink. And Astasi has said when you take Adderall, it makes it so that you don't feel as drunk, so you can drink more, so you can party more, so you can be better for the camera. And I think that was something that used to happen last season when they were all quarantined. Like, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. I mean, obviously, just because if you're, like, stuck inside, you can't you can't get a dealer if you, like, can't go outside. Um, I also think it people is... have, um, like, prescriptions and stuff. And that's yeah. how... I don't think they're all, like, going to dealers and getting Adderall. Like, I think... Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, I mean... I mean, and that's, that's probably a testament to affluence is that, like, you could be taking as many or more drugs than someone, but if you're rich enough to doctor shop, you can just doctor shop. Um, but I do remember like sometimes on Vanderpump 
So they they wouldn't ever say Coke, but they would say how... So Jax said that his weight would oscillate massively because he would smoke a ton of weed, get really fat. And then he... I was shocked they admitted this. He said he would just do a ton of Adderall and then be compulsively working out twice a day while basically taking prescription meds. Um, and then, like, would lose all the weight. So you could, like, track what drug... Like, where he was with his drug use by his weight. And also we have like steroids, but he never admitted steroids. He was like, I did supplements and that's how I got gynecomastia. I was like, okay, so you're all doing steroids. <laughs> you're all taking Adderall. It's, yeah, it's the unspoken thing that I think drives a lot of conflict on these shows, especially like with the younger cast, because it's like if they're out and they're partying, they are probably going to be doing drugs unless they are like making a point of not, doing them, I think. And so one of the women, uh, she's no longer on the show, but would say like why she would sometimes stay in. Um, or sometimes they would like a couple of them would say I'm like Amanda and Paige would stay in and watch a movie. It was like they just couldn't wow. do it anymore, you know, or they they, they were yeah. just like, I can't go out and party the way I used to go out and party. And so, yeah, that's kind of a it's also part of the work hard, play hard culture in yeah. New York in particular. Sometimes you have to do drugs to work hard. Like if you work in the stock market or finance and you have to pull like 16 hour days or a big law firm, there is a lot of drug abuse to be able to <laughs> stay awake to do that. Like I remember, so I yeah, did my undergrad and MA at a school that was like very, very, very famously intense about work and you would just not go out for like Monday to Friday and then you would just do a ton of drugs on the weekend it was literally like the, the work hard play hard thing was like you save it all up and it was like the most intense like academically nerdy people you knew would also take the most insane amounts of drugs you'd ever seen and then like architecture schools I remember there was there were stories about a really famous one in London where architecture schools are known for like basically people staying up all night days in a row to work. Like it is completely brutal and just designed to break you down. People would have like basically fish bowls, like bowls of Adderall in the studios during like final semester where people would just stay and I mean, work continuously. I remember an undergrad being in the library, seeing one of my sorority sisters snorting Adderall like during studying <laughs> it's like what is this i'm like some naive girl from minnesota no idea that this was something people did and you know i was like oh i just had a double espresso and that's like as hardcore as i'm ever gonna get yeah i honestly like i cannot drink red bull anymore because mm -mm. the taste of that is like 3am in a library but i mean we can cut this out it's a sidetrack but in the uk <laughs> so like people did people i think did adderall but nowhere near as much as the u.s what they did instead is this drug that's used to treat narcolepsy called modafinil because Adderall is like physically gives you a high, which is why people take it like to party, right? Cause it's basically like cheap coke. Um, modafinil, they don't know exactly how it works in your brain, but it shuts off the part that goes to sleep. So people would take it. You don't feel a physical like high or jitters. Just suddenly you would like, come to you and you've been like working for eight hours and you would have to set yourself reminders to like drink water and like go to the bathroom and, and like do anything because you would just get such singular focus on your work that you would just like do it for like an eight hour stretch. 
That's insane. Nuts. Anyway, oh Summer House. Let's- yes. Well, should we go to the OC? Because I have so yes. many questions for you. Okay. So I'm, I think this is my assignment for you is to go back if you've got time and watch all of Summer House. If you don't have time, start at season three. But I think it's worth watching those first few seasons because there is such growth from some of these characters. Okay. Um, okay. So the OC. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Dr. Jen? We see her FaceTime with her husband who changed his name from Ryan to Ryan. <laughs> and he talks Ryan about... Ryan to what? Ryan. So instead of Ryan, it's Ryan. As in R-Y-N. E. <laughs> uh, Ren. 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 Ryan. He calls it Ryan. <sighs> um, okay. So he, you know, is with the kids and she says something like, I'm not part of this life. Like, she doesn't even know they have a lemon tree in their yard. She seems, like, completely bewildered by the fact that she has children with this man. Like, what are yeah, your I, takes I on found her? her, um, her conversation in the previous episode, like, two episodes ago with her mom to be very illuminating. And I imagine, like, is basically replicated in her own relationship with her kids, where she just, like, doesn't, didn't have a, like, functional relationship with this woman for a very long time. And it is like stilted and awkward. And I'm like, oh, I don't think this woman knows really what like a like a healthy maternal relationship can or should be like. And I think just devotes herself to her work as a way to navigate that anxiety in terms of her own children. Yeah, when she said... There's no balance between home life, work, and friendships. When you put effort into one, the other two suffer. Like, how did you take that direct that quote? Was, I, I remember that quote. And I was thinking about, like, the other version of it, which you hear from, like, tech CEOs or whatever, talks about the, maybe it's, like, kind of, like, the gym, like, friends, your job, something else, whatever. It's, like, you can't have all of them, one of them has to go. But her, like, analogy of it is, like, if two of them have to go if you pick one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, like, even more extreme. It's, like, she can only have one thing and then everything else falls by the wayside. When actually the way that I think normal people think about it is, like, okay, you cannot, like, socialize a ton and have your family and have your job. You need to pick two. So she's being even more, like, um, extreme in how she basically... uh, what's the like demarcates her life she just like has has different boxes and she's like all in one at one moment in time and cannot seem to do more than one which i find interesting um and i it seems like we're gonna get two divorces in one season (sighs) who knows what's going on with dr jen's marriage because she just said he packed up and left but i don't know if that means divorce but did it? Because I was wondering if it had come out in the press that like they actually wound I up haven't divorcing. seen that in the press, but okay. I could. Yeah, I'll look into look at it. Mike that um, Noella. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with her, except for that the only I find her to be so similar to Bronwyn, except for that I find her to be very watchable. Some things yes. are cringe but I am compelled to look at her. 
I find her at the same time incredibly chaotic and also incredibly perceptive. Like she is clearly a mess and she also, I found really telling when she just meant like casually mentioned, like I want to go up to the resort, have a skinny girl margarita. I'm like, Oh, that speaks volumes about like the rumors that we've heard that she had been like planning and trying to get on the show for years. I'm like, okay, so you like, you want to be a housewife and wanted this for a very long time. And like just name dropping a skinny girl. It's like, okay, that's, that's a thing. I see that. Um, she is like so thirsty and like trying to um, blow up fights out of nothing. But at the same time, um, sees through Heather Dubrow, which I think a lot of the other women either don't or they do and are too scared to say or do anything. And maybe it's because she's so chaotic and kind of unhinged that she's just like, fuck it, I'll do it. But I'm glad that she is, I'm glad she's on the show. I think she's earned a second season. Oh, I definitely think she's earned a second season. I do think there are instances in which she's very correct about Heather and other instances where I feel like she's looking for something that isn't yeah. quite there and it feels weird. <laughs> it, it, it's right. It's, 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 it's really disconcerting when you're watching someone and you agree with them so much in one moment and then five seconds later, you're like, what the fuck are you saying? Like she has moments of clarity, but also at the same time, like her life is in a shambles and she clearly is, drinking away the pain and refusing to eat. And like that, I mean, I, I just seeing her back when she walked into the thing, I was like, Oh, I can see this woman's shoulder blades. Like she is. And she's talked multiple times about, she's like, I'm not eating. Yeah. I think she's always been very thin, but over the last few weeks, it's like, you've even seen her waste away more. And It's clear that she's, you know, some people when they're going through very stressful things have mm-hmm. trouble eating. I have the opposite usually, um, depending on the no, situation I, where I just like eat everything. But the, so it's, am, it's hard to relate. Camp. I'm in her camp in that I have been through moments that were so stressful and my anxiety was spiraling so much out of control that I could not eat and lost a ton of weight. Like it has happened to be before. And so I don't think this is some, I don't no, think this is yeah. necessarily someone that like, Actually, unlike um, Heather and Dr. Jen, where I just had a note when they were having their conversation, I was like, oh, this is women sitting by the sea comparing eating disorders when they were talking about like carbohydrates. I I don't actually think that that necessarily applies to Noella to the same degree. Right. I think she's just like psychologically a mess because of what she's going through. At the same time, some of the stories she's saying doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, she did not marry him in 2017. They had a wedding ceremony, but he was married to somebody else. And again, 2017 was not that long ago. So for her to act like she doesn't know how to fly commercial, and she doesn't know how to do things for herself, because for the last four years, she's been taken care of financially, I mean, that is that it's not like we're talking about Kathy Hilton here, who's had decades and decades of this lifestyle. We're talking about yeah. someone who's had four, five years of this lifestyle. I remember shit I did four or five years ago, like 
Come on, Noella. Yeah, I, I did find that weird. I thought she, there are so many holes in like the stories she's discussing, but at the same time, like I don't, the, 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 the weird holes and stuff to me don't actually seem to negate the elements of the story that are her husband behaving really terribly. Right. Like I, 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 I think she, for whatever reason, maybe it's anxiety about like being on the show and like wanting to appear a certain way and then like trying to, trying to self-produce, um, which never goes well for these people because like we can always see through it. Um, I feel like the fundamentals of the story about like the way that he left her is like objectively fucked up. Totally. Even if, even if they'd only been together for like two years and maybe she was like completely unbearable to be with and like did a lot of terrible stuff. It's like, well, if you just leave the country and you have a child that has special needs that you need to get like, that's pay for. Yeah. Apparently he's claiming that they became quote unquote, like residents of Puerto Rico and had planned to live there. And they only went to the OC because for filming, But then his whole law practice is based in the Los Angeles OC area. I mean, I know that they've expanded beyond that, but that's where it started. So there was a reason to to be based there. It's not, I don't yeah. know. The whole thing is, it makes me, it makes me sad. What I feel like we're never going to get an answer to, because Bravo loves to do this shit, is... Nicole is all of a sudden no longer on the show, not a friend of, and we never hear from her again, yet she's still a part of the storyline where they're talking about how Noella and Nicole stop being friends and are all airing their dirty laundry and all the negative things each one of them said about all of the other women. What do you think happened to Nicole? (laughs) I think actually that the thing that um, Noella alluded to about Heather is true. Okay. Only based off like rumors, but I remember hearing like back when it first started airing, there were like reports of her and Terry going completely apeshit at production because they did not know this was about to happen. And supposedly they were upstairs for an hour or more while they were deciding like how to deal with this. And then the, the, the them coming down as like a unified front and doing the weird like smiley grin and being like, you tried to sue me. Thanks for dropping it. Ha ha ha. was like so disconcerting and like chilling and gross. Um, I think, I think that Heather may have like blown up or basically may have just said to her, well, like you brought this on the show. Now you'll do what we'll tell you. Um, it seems like she was hired as a housewife and then just, dropped because it that she didn't like mesh well with the cast and the British didn't come out great just because you know when you can when they're like when someone is a friend of but is coming around a lot and people are actually talking about them a fair amount it's like I feel like the women were introduced to her as a cast member and then retrospectively kind of I think that happened with Sutton in her first season she was brought in and then and then they were like "Eh, we're not going to make you a full one just yet yeah 
And that was because her husband, ex-husband, didn't agree to allow the kids film. So with Nicole, I feel like Nicole, Noella, and Jen were all cast at the same time. And they were like, you're new. We're not going to decide who's a housewife, who's a friend of anything. Let's film and we'll decide after, which is usually what happens. Um, Because then they bring more to the table. But what I keep hearing, I didn't think it was true. But now I'm starting to wonder, is that Nicole refused to get vaccinated and so she wasn't allowed to go on the trip trip. and she like i guess had all these arguments with production over not getting vaccinated which for i think maybe this could be a production issue with the particular company that runs the oc and beverly hills evolution media but What's weird is that I know that there are housewives that are not vaccinated that were on Ultimate Girls Trip season two, like Vicky Gunvalson. So is that a different production company? I no, I thought she did, but was like posting tearful stuff about being forced into it to film. Oh, oh, damn. Yeah, like, I think, okay, I think so this she- does make And the reason I think this is starting to become true now is because... Noella made a little joke about the dog not being able to come because the dog wasn't vaccinated. And I'm like, okay, I know your dog's vaccinated against rabies and stuff. So, like, you're probably joking that your dog doesn't have a COVID vaccine. And that probably was this, like, big thing. Okay. Which is interesting because... I'm 90% certain that that Vicky had to get it and then was very publicly, like, mad about the fact that she had to do it. But obviously was, like, so desperate to be back on TV, she she would still do it. But would like was picking yeah. up with us. I'm really glad they were forced to because I know Tamara just had COVID, like a pretty bad bout of it, and that makes me glad to know that she was vaccinated to be able to hopefully stay stay healthy enough to be out of the hospital. <sighs> that's so crazy. So yeah, that's starting to like ring a little bit more true to me because I I've heard from others that like Heather's whole issue was she was mad at production but not the women. So she took it yeah. out on Heather for like a storyline but she was really just actually mad at production because she felt like she was set up that they knew that this was the case and they didn't tell her and she's doing them a favor by bringing class back to the OC which brings me to so like uh, I'll get up my notes about Heather because I have like I have a lot of thoughts about this I think that um, they actually did a very good job when they brought her back um, telling her that she is elevating the show mm-hmm. and making a huge deal of it because it is true to a degree, but like the best housewives have this element of delusion about them and Heather clearly has it because this has inflated her ego enough that she does stuff that is like kind of nuts and actually like, I think is her downfall because they told her and they like hyped her up enough that she is swanning in and acting like she's in charge. And that fucking like gross bit where she brought her architect in to like show everyone the photos of the house she might build and making them all be like, Ooh, aren't you wonderful? This is so amazing. Or like coming to build this beautiful house in Mexico, like just showering her wealth in front of people. I'm glad that they did that because it means that like, she took the bait and like she's yes she is rich but she's also tacky that house is gross it looks like a a sort of like a mid-tier hotel yes she had like and when they did the close-up like in her fucking closet of those tags that she puts like heather's closet like tags 
on her clothes or something. The, oh, this woman is just the the way she treats people is I as much as I I loathe uh, what's his name Jeff Roth. I want to say Jeff Roth, it's a comedian, the guy with the lips that did Jeff the like Lewis. Jeff Lewis, who like despises Heather Debro and has said on Watch What Happens Live that he like thinks she's a monster because of how he saw her treating waitstaff one time when they were at dinner. And, like, he is a terrible person. Right. He treats everyone horribly. Yeah, like, like he's awful. But I do think that that observation rings true because I'd heard other rumors of it. And then recently, someone resurfaced the clip from um, when they had the breaking ground party for this fancy new house, which is the one where they, like, got everyone to just, like, come to this entry lot. A rodeo style where they wore, like, the hat. I remember this. Do you remember that Tamara injured herself on the rodeo? Was it a mechanical bull? Like a fi- like- yeah, mechanical bull. Yeah. So what happens is they show that it's going on. Heather goes up the operator and is like, turn it up. It gets turned up. Tamara injures herself. She comes off. And then Heather goes up to Terry and he was like, who did that? We need to fire that person. Who- whoever did this, we need to fire that. Someone must have turned it up. And they have it on camera that she tells this person to do it. And then she immediately is like, get that person fired. Wow. And I was like, you can go back and find that clip. And once I like saw that again recently, I was like, oh, this stuff is like, if, if that's caught on camera, I would not be surprised that a lot worse happens off camera. And I think that she just, she just genuinely thinks that she is doing people a favor by like gracing them with her presence yes. and her money. Yes. And it's but quite gross to watch. I feel like her children... I don't know why I feel this way. I feel like they are very balanced. I agree with you. And uh, well-adjusted. I don't know why I I get this feeling. I just, I do. I feel like they are unfazed by their parents and they are just living their life. From like, from what we can see of them, I like, I do agree. They, the kids seem remarkably just like normal and they're not like, when you would see like Teresa Judice's kids, like who would just be acting like spoiled brats because they had just been spoiled so much. And then Heather's kids. Yeah. Just seem like nice balanced teenagers that are kind of, I don't know, a bit embarrassed by their parents sometimes, but yeah. like, nah, it's just, this is their life. It's that they happen to exist around this much money, but they, it, they come off well. They do come off well. Well, yeah, I. It's funny though on this episode that it's Noella that's complaining about the warm tequila and being very high maintenance about asking for ice and all this. And you've got Heather Dubrow who's kind of like, "Hey, listen, I understand the importance of like a chilled champagne, but like we're in Mexico. This is tequila. Just freaking drink it and stop complaining." And when I'm like, "Okay, if you've become more high maintenance than Heather Dubrow on a trip planned by Heather Dubrow, yeah, like you need to tone it down." One one thing I did also notice at dinner when they were doing the orders, um, it was like, of course, these women go all the way to Mexico and then order like New York strip steaks, whatever the word is. <laughs> yeah. Like you're in Mexico, just like think outside the box a bit, maybe like have some Mexican food. They're like, no, I'm going to come here and get an American style steak. Of Although to be fair, in Orange County, you can get incredible Mexican food almost anywhere. 
This does make sense. In California. So it's like, you don't need to necessarily go to Mexico to get like incredible because there's so many Mexicans mm-hmm. that have incredible restaurants throughout all of California. Yeah. I mean, I will say, yeah, the best Mexican food I've ever had because I haven't been to Mexico has been in California. But I expect Mex- actual Mexican food in Mexico is probably even better. Yeah. And more fresh. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's making me want to go on vacation, (laughs) get away from the snow. (laughs) Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I've kept you way too long. I just love talking to you. I, you have to come back. You have to come back. I, I just had an absolute, absolute blast. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your comedy, your social media, anything else you you want to plug. You can find me on everything. It's the same handle. It's D U D Y official. So it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I have it all. Please follow me. I'm desperate for attention. (laughs) I will uh, put your Twitter and your Instagram in the show notes. Awesome. Unfamiliar with TikTok, so (laughs) I can't. I can't figure it out. So much fun. (laughs) Honestly, like once you get in and you train the algorithm a little bit just by scrolling, you will lose hours and hours and hours. Trust me. I've watched it. Like I have the app and I, I've watched okay. it before. I just don't know how to like do a whole lot of searching or anything. Yeah. You just, <laughs> got, you just got to like, once you engage with the stuff you like, it just picks it up. And then occasionally it'll throw like random topics at you. And you, if you don't like something, you can just like, nope. But once you do like very quickly with mine, it was like, Oh, someone's into Bravo. And then it's just like, Bravo stuff, Bravo stuff, Bravo stuff. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, I found one today where someone had done an ASMR of the entire fight between um, Kim, Kyle, and Brandy at Dana's game night. But all (laughs) ASMR. Dana slash (laughs) Pam. Dana Pam. Oh, Dana Pam. Oh, my God. This Bravo is just like, it's like this shared language that and shared history that we have with each other that we can like... You know, you just brought up a, like a scene from, I think, 2014 on the OC. And I remembered there was a mechanical bull. And I remembered the theme of the breaking ground party. I don't know what I had for breakfast today. Like, <laughs> I know I can map my life in like rich women's noses. I'm like, oh, this is how old I was before so-and-so they got their nose done. And then like, I remember when like when Kim got like everything done. And then like, yeah, it is. It is wild but I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Well, thank you so much. We will have to have you back.